are talking with Carolyn Brower in this episode of Women in Sailing. I reached out to Carolyn during COVID in early June and found her enjoying some downtime with her family on the central coast of New South Wales. Carolyn has competed in three Olympic Games and was the only female skipper in the Tornado Catamaran class at the Beijing Olympics in 2008. She has participated in three Volvo Ocean races and was a part of the SCA All Women's Team in 2014 and 2015, which saw them win the eighth leg, Portugal to France. Then in 2016 and 2017, she was a part of the Don Fenn team and this time the overall winner of the Volvo Ocean Race, with one of the closest finishes in the history of the race. She holds multiple world and European titles in the Laser Radial and Europe Dinghy classes and has won a world silver medal in the Tornado Catamaran Championships in 2017. As well, she was the only female in the fleet that year. She has been the recipient of two ISAF World Sailor of the Year awards, the first in 1998 and then again 20 years later in 2018. Again, in 2018, Carolyn was a part of Stacey Jackson's team Ocean Respect on Wild Oats 10 and competed in the Rolex Sydney Hobart Yacht Race, a part of the first women's professional team in the history of the race. She shares with us her sailing adventures from growing up in Brazil to the Olympics, finding herself racing in the Volvo Ocean Race and how making lifelong friendships saw her compete in the Sydney to Hobart Yacht Race. It's evident that this lady loves a sailing challenge, is extremely competitive and passionate about her sailing. She has ticked a lot of the boxes, but there are still more to do. It's my pleasure to welcome Carolyn Brower. Hi, Carolyn. How are you? Hi, Deborah. I'm good, thank you. Look, lovely to have you here today. Really appreciate your time. And what's life like for you back here in Australia at the moment? Uh, life's pretty good in Australia. I think, um, yeah, we've been very lucky. Uh, I think we're very lucky where we live uh, during the whole uh, COVID uh, restrictions. Uh, we've been, you know, able to play outdoors. Uh, we've got a lot of uh, space around the house and uh, a nice uh, play area and bike track um, just behind the house on the nature reserve. Uh, we live along uh, Tagora Lakes. So it didn't really feel like um, we were very restricted and very locked down. Um, you know, we obviously felt it in all these other ways as, you know, going to the shops. Uh, my son said to me the other day, Mummy, this is the first time I'm, uh, I'm in the shopping mall or at the shops with you uh, for a very long time. And he was right because it had been like nine or ten weeks that and he hadn't basically hasn't, hasn't left the house. It was just... Mm one of us, you know, to go for a quick shop. And uh, we definitely wouldn't take the family shopping uh, during that time. But, um, and I also, I think we were very lucky. Um, I don't, I, I, I have been traveling a lot. I have been uh, back and forth to Europe a lot. 
and uh, that's um, all very limited or not possible now. So in a way, uh, I'm just making the most of, of being at home because uh, because it's it's almost an exception, and especially being at home with the whole family. The family's yeah. not so big; where it's just the three of us. But yeah. um, we've all sort of um, yeah had a lot of quality time at home as a, as a little family, and uh, so yeah, to be honest, we've we've actually enjoyed it and uh, and definitely made the most of it. Look, that's fantastic. So. Where would you normally be this time of year? So this time of year, I'd probably be back and forth uh, to Europe. Obviously, uh, the summer uh, coming, um, the European summer sailing season starting around this time of year, uh, maybe a little bit earlier already around May. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's when, um, yeah, a lot of the events and the regattas start happening all over Europe and um, I often still do uh, some speaking engagements um, which I try to yeah make work that I that I don't leave home being being here in Australia for too long obviously Um, so I try to make it two three weeks at a time three weeks maximum Mm. and then uh, yeah I have some time back here again before I go again Um, and yeah, I've been very lucky so far that it's uh, worked out quite well in uh, in my schedule. And um, so yeah, I'd probably one of the events uh, that I always love doing and I haven't done for a very long time, uh, just because I've been more involved in big boat sailing, uh, is um, is the um, the round Texel event, uh, which is a, a catamaran event, a multi hull event around uh, Texel, uh, an yeah. island in the north of Holland. And um, that's always an event that's held in the end of June. And, uh, yeah, it's the biggest catamaran race uh, in the world. And um, that's, uh, yeah, definitely an event that's um, on my list uh, to do again. So, yeah, if the situation wasn't, weren't as it is, um, I'd probably be heading over to Europe um, to uh, take part in that regatta this year. Fantastic. And I know you're passionate about that one because you've done it a number of times and you were the first Helms woman to actually win that in 2012. So what was that like for you? Well, it was very amazing actually and particularly that year was incredible because normally the round Texel is there's a, a like a pre-event. They call it the Dutch Open Mm-hmm. So people rock up a few days prior and setting up the boats. And we just do windward leeward um, races off the, off the beach. And then on the Saturday is the big day, which is the big round Texel. And um, it, uh, it's normally we only get that one day slot to race around the island. But, you know, everybody knows the Dutch weather can mm. – um, throw surprises at you and um, uh, that year on the Saturday there was a big storm and especially imagine having 800 catamarans 800 multi-hulls of all shapes and sizes that have to launch from the beach and the the surf was quite rough so Mm -hmm. that was also we wouldn't they the organization wasn't going to be able to get everyone off the beach safely and um, yeah, the wind was quite strong, so they'd had to cancel it. And for the first time, they made an exception 
and they allowed to have like a reserve day uh, okay. be- being the Sunday and uh, everybody had to agree to that. And so, of course, everybody agreed because everybody was there mm-hmm. anyway. And so we managed to uh, race on the Sunday and the Sunday was just the other extreme from the Saturday. It, it wasn't windy. Um, mm-hmm. which, which probably suited suited Wouter, m- my crew and myself quite well. And uh, we were sailing a, a C2 uh, uh, type F-18 boat, which is actually made by, uh, by uh, Greg and uh, Brett Goodall um, okay. from Bendigo here in Australia. And uh, we were racing the C2 and, uh, yeah, the conditions were perfect for, uh, for the boat and for us as a, as a team. And, um, yeah, we, uh, it was very, very close, um, but we, uh, yeah, we managed to, to get the win and yeah, it was, it was, it was a special weekend being, you know, the Saturday had been canceled and for them to allow us to race on the Sunday was already, um, uh, a first and then, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that, um, I was first, um, skipper to, uh, to win, um, the round Texo race, it, it has and, it has happened since then. So uh, I'm, yeah. I'm not the only one that's done it, luckily. So there's a few more girls around <laughs> that um, that have now won it as well. But yeah, back then in 2012, it was the first time, and it's just a it's an amazing race. You know, if you're a if if you're a catamaran lover, then um, then that's definitely a race that you you would have on your bucket list. Yeah, great. Well, actually, we're recording this on the 10th of June, which is exactly eight years since you actually won. It's a nice memory, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for reminding yeah. me. Um, yeah, so it's, it's today. Congratulations. It, yeah, yeah it always, it's always held um, somewhere in the month of June, but it also depends on the tides, obviously, because around mm. uh, Texel, it's called the Wadden Island, and um, there's a lot of sandbanks and a lot of shallows as well. So um, if you don't have the tide at a certain level, um, you you can't, can't get around the island. Um, so mm. they have to, uh, yeah, really look at, uh, at the tides in the month of June. And then obviously it also has to be during the weekend. So, um, yeah, there's quite a little bit of a, of a puzzle uh, to make it happen. And, um, and so, yeah, we were... Uh, we were very lucky. Tenth of June is actually quite early. Generally, it's a little bit um, a little bit later in the month. But um, mm. yeah, when you you everybody always says you have to uh, you you have to have been to Texel a few times to do the event to actually be able to win it because it's a very very tricky place to sail and uh, yeah okay. a, lot, a lot of people run aground or get stuck mm. on a sandbank while they're trying to get around the island. So it's it's a very cool race. Definitely there's been some great aerial shots and just seeing all the catamarans lined up on the beach is quite impressive. So you mentioned a couple of women helms or women skippers have actually won the race since you you won it in 2012. Are there very many women racing the Extreme 40 Cats now? Um, So, well, the Extreme 40s um, is – the Extreme 40s is actually – an upscaled um, tornado catamaran. The tornado catamaran was Olympic um, until the 2008 Beijing Olympics. Mm -hmm. After that, it got removed from the Olympic program. And um, it's built by Joran Marstrom in Sweden. 
And Joran, he actually um, then invented and designed the Extreme 40, which is basically twice the size of a tornado, um, a tornado catamaran. And um, with, this, uh, with these boats, the Extreme 40s, was actually a, a separate circuit. And the Extreme 40 in itself is not allowed to race round Texel because the limit to the size of the boats at round Texel is 27 feet. Right. And, okay. and an Extreme 40 being 40 feet was not allowed to um, race. So um, mm. the Extreme 40 had, to, had its um, separate circuit. Um, which we joined the Volvo Ocean Race boats in the 2005-2006 to just be a bit of a side show, a side program to the uh, the events during the stopovers. And mm-hmm. um, it's more like what, what we call nowadays the stadium racing. So you're racing in very, very small areas, very confined areas, sometimes inside the harbour. And... Um, yeah, it's 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 a bit of a, sh- a show that that you put on. So yeah, depending on the amount of boats, generally about seven or eight boats maximum in a very small racing area, and uh, mm. a bit like the the CLGP maybe nowadays. But uh, yeah, obviously back then uh, we weren't on foils yet, and uh, yeah, it was still all the the beginning of it. But I think the concept and the idea is pretty similar. Did you find it a natural progression for you going from the tornadoes to the extreme 40s or were there some challenges you had to overcome? Well, there's always challenges because you could like the tornado is a 20 foot boat and that was already a handful. You know, it's a, it's, it's, it's quite a mm. big boat and the tornado is really, it's one of the nicest catamarans I've sailed. It's, um, it's a really wide boat. So it has, you know, huge riding moment compared to a lot of the other, um, similar sized, um, multi-holes. Um, but it's, but because of that, the loads are also bigger, you know, so, so I had uh, uh, quite a, uh, a, I was helming on, in the tornado and I had a, um, Seb was, was my crew and he was a, mm-hmm. a, a former fin sailor. So he had to actually lose weight because, yeah, fin sailors <laughs> are generally 100 plus kilos. But um, so he, he dropped quite a bit in weight, but we were still quite a, a heavy team. And, um, but, uh, uh, and I, I guess one of the challenges for us coming from, the dinghies I was coming from the Europe dinghy and Seb was was mm-hmm. coming from the Finn dinghy you know all of a sudden you're you're getting on a boat that has two holes uh, and that it's it's like we used to always say it's like asking a, a sprinter who runs the 100 meters or the 200 meters to all of a sudden run a marathon you know it's okay it's, it's yeah. still running but it's a, you have to adapt. You have to adapt your body. You, you're going from a hiking boat to a trapezing boat. You're going from mm. one hull to two hulls. So, you know, sailing is sailing and the water is the water and the sails are the sails. But still, you know, you, there's a lot of adapting and a lot of learning to do. And it was that that was what made it actually so fun because there was so much to mm. learn. And then when you then go from the tornado to the extreme 40, it's another um, way of adapting again because all of a sudden you've upscaled the boat it is a s- similar type boat but you're not sailing with two people you're sailing with four people you know and I considered mm. myself 
uh, very lucky that you know I was all I had to do was was uh, drive the steer the boat and I had <laughs> you know three of, of the strongest guys doing all the work up the front of the boat so um you know and and these stadium races were you know action packed very very intense races uh, they only lasted you know maximum 15 minutes and and you're going around a very very small course so you're going around doing a lot of laps in a in a very short time so sure. when we finished yeah. the boys were often like you know sweating and red puffed faces and had yeah. had to work really really hard and I was sitting there going like oh it's quite quite chilly actually you know because all I was doing was <laughs> holding the rudder and they were doing all the physical uh, work but yeah you know there's there's big changes from from a tornado to an extreme 40 you know all of a sudden the teamwork mm. becomes a very big aspect especially because you're in such uh, a small race course um with a, a lot of uh, intense action-packed racing so the boat handling becomes a very big part of of your racing and um you know so yeah gelling together and making it work together as a team um is another is another challenge which um which which was also part of the fun Fantastic. Now let's just jump back a little bit. Um, three Olympics, two for the Netherlands and then uh, Belgium in the Tornado Catamaran class. So how did this come about? How did you end up going to the Olympics? And this may throw back into growing up, sailing a bit about your journey from Rio and how you ended up um, at, at the Olympics basically. Well, I um, I grew up in Brazil, uh, in uh, uh, Rio de Janeiro, and I would say I wouldn't say we are a, a sailing family. We're probably a water sports family. But um, my my parents okay. were both uh, very very good rowers, um, so we always and and they they did enjoy the sailing. And you know, Rio de Janeiro is it's it's an amazing place on its own, but it's it's also surrounded by water. You know, the most beautiful beaches mm. but also the the bay of guanabara is, is a, a beautiful bay with you know the backdrop being the sugar loaf so it's um it's it, it, it's very very beautiful and and we had a sailing boat as a family which we used to take out uh, uh for 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 sailing on the weekends but my brother he's he's mark he's two years old an year and a half older than i am and he was quite keen to get an optimist and do some racing yeah. on the lake that's actually yeah, in the middle of the city in Brazil. And um, Rio also being um, quite, uh, you know, some people see it as a, a as a dangerous city, but, you know, we, we were f foreigners. Uh, I had blonde hair. My brother had blonde hair, you know, so, so there's mm -hmm. no way around, um, you know, you, you, you couldn't say like, oh, we're Brazilians because, you know, just the way you, you speak and the way you look gives it, gives it away, mm. you know, so, so a, a yacht club was often a very safe place to be and was somewhere where you could just spend the day with the family. And as kids, you could, um, they were more like country clubs. You know, they had a yacht, a yacht okay. uh, a sailing department, but they also had the tennis courts and the pools. And so it was a very um, nice place to, to spend the weekend. And that's how um, my brother ended up um, sailing the Optimist. And then... 
I, he got a new optimist because he started racing and he, and he was quite keen. So he got a new boat and then I got given his, his optimist. And, um, I was, I, I was quite, I liked the sailing. I liked the, the environment, but I also had friends do, who didn't sail and on the weekends they'd go to the movies in the shopping mall and or they'd have sleepover parties and I was always torn because I wanted to be part of everything, you know. So so sailing yeah. was, when I was little, was never a, a really big priority um, uh, because there was so many other fun things to do as well. And uh, it was only yeah. when we got back to Holland where um, after 13 years in Brazil and you know, living in the tropics, basically, um, where sailing is nice and the weather is good. And we came came <laughs> back to Holland in the middle of winter. And uh, so in Holland, you know, the kids play hockey. That's a very, very big sport and popular sport in Holland. Yes. So I got given a, a hockey stick and, and a bicycle. And in Holland, I had the freedom that I didn't have in, in Brazil. Uh, I did have in Holland. So um, I just... Uh, yeah, you know the hockey club is is two corners down the next street. So yeah, that's that's where we went, and that's what you did. And but somehow the the bug, the sailing bug, um, uh, I, I couldn't I couldn't get rid of it. And 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 within three weeks of being back in Holland in the middle of February, um, I was uh, uh, my parents got me an optimist, and I was sailing on uh, on our local lake. Uh, with a dry suit on and a beanie on and and gloves on and something I'd I'd never done in my life and yeah I guess my parents were like you know if she if she wants to do this in this horrible climate in the middle of winter when it's really really cold then yeah. then she must be really keen and I guess from then on it just progressed I I didn't really get very good results in the optimist it was only when I then went to the mm. laser radial that I started, I was, um, had the opportunity. I got selected to go to the IYRU Youth Worlds, which is the World Sailing um, Youth Championships. But back then it was called the yeah. IYRU. And uh, I got selected for that and, and won those. And I guess that's when the competitiveness in me <laughs> came out. And, um, <laughs> and from then on, you know, it was just all the different aspects from sailing, um, um, just, you know, uh, the technicality of it and but then your tactics and your strategy and and the physical side of things started playing a more important role especially in a in a laser which is a, a very physical boat if you want to um, try mm. and make it go go at least a little bit fast because it doesn't go fast but <laughs> um yeah and then yeah, I guess I progressed from the laser radio to the Europe dinghy. It was a little bit of a natural um, progression because the laser radio back then was not the single-handed Olympic dinghy, but it was the Europe. And so, you know, mm -hmm. when you, know, you start getting results and, and, and bigger ambitions, then, you know, Olympic sailing is, uh, is the next step. Um, and that's how I ended up in the Europe and uh, the competition, you know, sailing is a, is quite a unique sport in a way that um, it, for every country, every nation is only allowed to have run, one representative in each discipline in sailing. Yes. Uh, whereas, yeah. you know, it's not like swimming where you can have three or four Aussies um, lined up in the same in the same pool fighting for the medals. And they do different races. So, yeah. Um, so, 
um, and the competition in Holland in the Europe dinghy was uh, was very, very, very strong. And um, I missed the Olympics, um, the Dutch selection trials. Um, and so then I, I ended up doing my first Olympics in the 2000 Olympics in Sydney. Um, mm-hmm. And that was in the 470 dinghy. So... So the Dutch Federation has sort of had in their mind whoever misses the trials in the Europe will then get given a 470 and get given a crew and you know you try and make make uh, make it to the Olympics in the 470. So it was a very short campaign, um, but yeah, okay. we uh, we won the trials and we made it um, to the um, Sydney Olympics. And then I went back into the Europe dinghy thinking, you know, I've still got um, some um, um, something to settle in this class um, since I'd, I'd won two world championships in the Europe dinghy. So I uh, it was like I had unsettled, unfinished business. So I was back in the Europe and then they removed the Europe from the uh, Olympic program. Um, so we ended up um, Seb- Sebastian um who is uh belgian um he uh was sailing the fin and he'd been sailing the fin for a very um for a very long time and sort of was wanted a new challenge and uh and uh, we ended up in the in the tornado together and uh yeah that was my third and last olympics was the 2008 olympics in beijing in the tornado class That's amazing, Carolyn. Now let's take a step forward. Let's fast forward to the Volvo Ocean Race. Very happy to see that you and Marie were the first women to win the Round the World Volvo Ocean Race on Don Finn Racing Team. So your first was with? Amor Sports 2. Right, okay. But I didn't, so when people say, oh, you've done three round the world races, I always sort of say, well, maybe it's two and a half because my very first one with Amor Sports, I didn't do all the legs, uh, but I did do the legs I did were the two Southern Ocean legs. And, you know, if you want to do the race, those are the ones that you want to experience. So, um, yeah, that was my first experience uh, with the Volvo. And then there was a 12-year gap before there was another women's team um, in the race, and that was with Team SCA. Great. Okay. So was it easy getting on the team? What What was it like? I know there was a 12-month lead-up with you had to audition for the team. So how did you end up getting on the SCA team? Yes, well, with with Team SCA, um, it was first of all, it, it, I guess for us women, it was a huge opportunity because it was really the probably one of the only times, if not the the only time, where the sponsor, in this case SCA, which is a, a hygiene company, and eighty percent of its consumers are, are women. So there, they wanted to sponsor a boat in the race, but they wanted to be it to be a women's team for that reason. So you know, for the first time, we weren't what I call a B boat. You know, we weren't part of a campaign that had two boats, and you know, the the boys get to choose which boat's the better boat, and then because there's a second boat, let's just put some girls on it and you know, at least there'll be a story because it's quite, you know, it doesn't happen every day that you have a women's team racing around the world. 
mm. part of the Whitbread or part of the Volvo. So, yeah. um, and this, it was just a one boat campaign. There weren't two boats campaign allowed, uh, allowed in that edition. So, and it was all just, you know, we had all the facilities. We had obviously a huge gap of lack of experience compared to the guys that had, you know, been going around the world for 12 years while we hadn't. So there was mm. that huge uh, training and experience gap, but it wasn't a campaign. You know, we had uh, all the faci- facilities, we had a good budget, we had mentors, we had coaches, and we had time on our hands. It was a campaign that was put together very early because we needed all this training to be ready to go around the world. So um, the the lead up, uh, you know, the whole, I guess, selection process um, with the girls, I, I think there was 300 applications. And out of those 300 applications, um, 60 um, of us got invited to to go to Lanzarote and the and the Grand Canaries, one yeah. of the islands, uh, Canary Islands. That was like our team base, our home base, and um, we were divided into groups and we were uh, doing trials. And so then after um, after a while, after a few of these group sessions trials. Um, they picked uh, five, uh, like the core group, five mm-hmm. five girls. And from then on, the uh, trials, the selection continued over quite a long period of time. Uh, whereas because we decided um, we were allowed um, 11 on board, but we had 13 girls on what we call the squad and right. and then yep. during the race, so you know it's always good to have some reserves if someone gets hurt um, that you that that you can replace them and that you know that you're not just replacing by someone just anyone but you're replacing by someone that's actually part of the team and have, has done the whole lead up to the race. So um, they um, so so that was our sort of every every leg there was a rotation, you know, and then there was two new girls on on board which. It's quite nice because there's just a, a, a fresh set of eyes, you know, they'd, they'd had their break, yeah. they'd had a three week or a four week break and they'd come back on board and they're nice and fresh and, you know, motivated to go again. So, you know, we, we started the race with, with this group of 13 and we finished the race with the same group of 13 um, girls. So I think that's, you know, it's something to say for it. It's a, it's a huge achievement, you know, and all the guys' boats you see, Sometimes you see rotations or sometimes you see, you know, some guys leave and new new guys jump on board. Mm-hmm. And so um, and here, you know, we had a, a really, really um, strong and a really close knit knit team. Um, and I think that's yeah, that's quite special. Yeah, it's it's extremely special. And especially when you won that leg. Tell, tell me what it was like, that feeling when you won the leg in the Volvo ocean race? Well, it's, you know, it, it does huge, bigger than, than we could ever imagine, I think. And, but it, it, at the same time, it was, uh, we always had this feeling it was a long time coming, you know, it was something yeah. that we, I guess we'd set ourselves uh, uh, the goal, you know, we, we weren't allowed before the race to put a number like, oh, okay, we want to finish top three or, you know, we, we just said, you know, we want to put 
um, women sailing back on the map. We want to empower, empower women and, and people around the world and, and show them that, you know, we can be competitive and, um, and, and do the best, be the best we can. And, and I think we did all that, but in a way, you know, you always have your personal goals and, and, you know, we'd done a lot of training we had the best coaches and, um, the best mentors were surrounded by the best people. And, um, so, and we'd had a, a good lead up, a good 18 months to, uh, to train and, and we, we worked extremely hard. So I sort of thought, oh, you know, maybe we can finish mm. top three. And then we had what we call leg zeros, you know, it's like, it's like the practice race before a, a, yep. a world championship or before a regatta is, uh, so leg zero is the Volvo ocean race practice race. And, uh, and we just got completely flogged and it was like, it was just an en- enormous eye opener. And it was like, oh, the level is really, really high. These guys are really good. So you sort of have to, you know, adapt your goal a little bit. But and then, you know, you finish the first leg and whatever, you're 250 miles behind. And then the next leg, it's 200. And the next leg, it's 150. And, you know, slowly and by by the time we got to to um um i guess the southern ocean leg was a, was a little bit different but you know we got to to auckland and i, I think we were 70 miles behind and then you know we sailed into wow. lisbon and all of a sudden we're 30 miles behind and and you know we're still finishing last but we are catching up you know we're closing the gap so um yes and i guess it just all came together in that leg from from lisbon to lorient all the pieces of the puzzle just finally fell to, fell fell into their into their spots and um mm. and every you know we had strong winds we had huge seas it, it was yeah it, it was uh, not at all an an easy leg but that's where you know it i i think it, yeah like i i started by saying it was a long time coming and i really believe that you know it, it had to come out at some stage and it was just a reward for you know all the hard work that we put in and that you know by winning we finally proved you know it's it's it made it all worth it and did the guys uh graciously come up and say congratulations they were impressed with what you had achieved i think i think they were definitely impressed um and i think they were already impressed with how we were sailing um in the previous legs as well except it it was just we were showing it it's just the result wasn't there you know but but, um but we were showing a huge uh it was a massive learning curve but a, a huge progression throughout the race as well and you know, I think I think it re- we knew it already, and I remember um, Ian Walker and Abu Dhabi. Uh, you know how the the guys, the and the yachties, they're always talking about the chicks, you know, or the yeah. And and, and I I know from from their boat from Abu Dhabi, which was the winning boat in in that edition of the race, the winning team, they were not allowed to. Um, say oh uh, here are the chicks or the the chicks have just tacked or the they yeah. they had to you know they we were seen as equal um opponents you know we were in the same uh, so you were team sca exactly we were for them we were team sca so so there was a huge amount of respect and uh, and i think that really the, the that really showed at the 
final awards night, which was um, in um, Gothenburg, um, where uh, we, uh, during the prize giving, during the award ceremony, we got called up on stage and we got a standing ovation from the whole, um, from everyone that was there. Uh, so all the male teams, but also all the invited guests. And I think that was sort of, yeah, really um, showed it then. Uh, I think it was, you know, everybody knew it and everybody showed their respect and all the guys did, all the teams did. But there was, yeah, their way of, of, of showing it to us. Yeah, great recognition of all the work and the challenges that you faced in the race and how you're leading the way or led the way for women to get onto the bigger boats as well. Was there a gap between Team SCA and getting onto Don Finn? Yes, there was a bit of a gap. It always tends to happen with the Volvo Ocean Race because it's, you know, it used to be once every four years and now it's once every three years. And it's one of those races where, you know, the last day um, everybody, you've spent one or two years together and the day after it finishes, the day after the award ceremony, everybody goes home and just disappears, you know, and, 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 yep. and goes back to, you know, whatever sort of normality um, there is. Um, but, you know, families and just your your life and and I think also one thing is it's it's not something you just don't finish a race and go into another Volvo Ocean race the next day. You know, you have to give your body physically and mentally. It's very, very tough. And you have to give yourself, give your body the opportunity to recover. You know, you can do and do some mm. other sailing. I did. I went and did some cat sailing, some multi-hole sailing. I think the week after, um, but it's but you have to give yourself the opportunity and also mentally to just recover, recover from from a race like the Volvo Ocean Race. You know, there's no race mm. in the world that lasts nine months. Um, so, so it is um, for your body. It is it is uh, quite harsh. Um, and I think I, mm. especially Sam Davies, um, um, our skipper with Team SCA, she had a lot of experience, offshore experience um, through the um, solo racing in France and the Vendée Globe. And, yeah, she said to me, you know, often, you know, it depends how you are and what type of person you are. But, you know, it could take six to nine months before you've actually feel fully recovered. It's sort of, you know, in one way, some downtime or, you know, new ideas or to create new projects. Um, so I got involved with uh, Dong Feng race team by the end of 2016. So... Sort of, yeah, I guess a year and a half after the end of the race with Team SCA. And your win on that team with the um, oh, the first two women to ever win the Volvo Ocean Race as a part of the Don Finn team. That would have been amazing again. Yeah, I mean, it was certainly amazing. Um, uh, it was amazing in a, in a lot of ways. You know, there's uh, obviously it's great to be able to say that you're the first two women to ever win the Volvo Ocean Race. Um but you know, mm. there's a lot more to it. It was it was hugely a team effort. You know the uh, um, the and I think and I think the team effort and the teamwork and the team spirit is what 
um, got us the top position in the end. We, I think, as a team, we had we had something special uh, in the Dongfeng race team, and and you know, for the the whole edition was was very special because you know, when 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 will we ever uh, have a race where three boats are on equal points going into the last leg of the race? You know, where uh, you can say that. Um, you've sailed 45,000 miles around the world, but it comes down to the last, you know, two and a half or three miles to the finish, or, you know, you've done nine months of racing and it comes down to the last 14 minutes, I believe it was, or 13 and mm. a half. It's, yeah. it's something that, you know, we'll, we'll go into the, down into the history books because something like this won't repeat itself very, uh, very quickly. So, so that made it extremely, um, special and obviously rewarding to to take that win um and and um and also for me it was yeah sort of a double double celebration because i was sailing into my hometown you know so um that that made it extra special i guess so yeah it's it's in it's a once in a lifetime um experience Experience for for sure yeah yeah no doubt and so will we see you doing another Volvo? Well, that's a very good question. I definitely hope so. Um, uh, mm-hmm. You know, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm, I'm done yet. Um, so, um, okay. but obviously, you know, for me, um, sailing is, uh, I love sailing because it's a very complex sport because I feel like it's a, it's a, it's a never ending story. There's always something to learn or there's always something to, to get better at. And, um, you know, the the team SCA, and it has to be a challenge, like team, team SCA was a huge challenge uh, and a huge opportunity because it was the first time that women were back in the race um, and for me, you mm. know, I'd, I'd done, I'd had some experience with Amor Sports too, but then went back into Olympic sailing. So I, I hadn't, I hadn't continued on offshore sailing. So, you know, I, I, I still had a lot to learn and a lot of experience to be, uh, to be, to be had, um, to be able to say, you know, I'm ready to race around the world. Um, so it was a, it was a, a huge challenge. And then, yeah, Dong Feng um, came about, and and I got asked to 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 join, to join that team, and it was the first time there was going to be you know proper mixed teams in the race. But it was also the first time that I felt that I had a an, a chance of, or there was a potential to actually win this race. You know, with Team SCA, we yes. we we had a fantastic time and and a fantastic result, and we did very very well, but it wasn't realistic to say we're going to win the Volvo ocean race. Whereas with Dongfeng mm. race team, you know, all the ingredients were there to actually be able to potentially win this race. So that was another, a different challenge again, you know? So for me, I have to, mm. I love challenges. You know, if things were easy, then yeah, everybody would be doing them. So I do search for adventure and I do search for challenge. And right now, for example, I'm loving sailing the uh, foiling A-class because I'm learning so much about foiling and, you know, the speed and the adrenaline. And um, it's very, very difficult. And, you know, it, it goes very, very fast. So at times I'm squeezing my bum cheeks because I think, oh, I'm on the lay line here and I've got a jibe. How am I going to slow this thing down to actually get it to jibe? And 
but that's the part that I love about it as well. And so if, if we speak about the next Volvo Ocean race, um, you know, I, I think the 65s that are going around for, for, uh, for a third time, you know, I've sort of, you know, I don't been there, done that, you know, maybe it's, I don't put it in a nice way, but yeah, I've, I've ticked a lot of boxes in, uh, in, in that area. And now that they've introduced the, uh, the Imoka 60s as a, as a new division yes. into the race, you know, that's sort of creating a challenge, uh, another challenge, because it's going to be all of a sudden, you know, we're going around the world quite quick, but now we're going around the world even quicker because we're going to be flying above the water, you know. So um, uh, there's that's a challenge, a new challenge again. But at the same time, I did absolutely love the competitiveness that we had in the Volvo 65s being one design and the racing being Mm. so close you know it's unheard of that you can be sailing in the southern ocean where there's nothing else around you and you still have to ease your sails to go behind Mapfrey because you've had a port starboard in the middle of the southern ocean you know so so that close racing is something that I'm not sure we'll be there with the Imokas because they're obviously more of a of a deve- development class or a development division. Yeah. And yeah. I, I certainly hope that there will be more boats at the moment. There's not that many um, entries in the Imokas yet. And so I will I would definitely miss the, you know, the the close racing and the competitiveness um, that we that we had mm. in the um in in the Volvo 65 so yeah I I love the idea of a new boat and a foiling boat but I yeah I definitely want to see more boats more Imokas involved than uh, than what currently the talk is so um yeah it's a Mm. long way to go still but um yeah we'll see how it all ends up well with those with with those boats, we might see different types of sailing, you know, as you said, around the Southern Ocean, how the foiling boats will actually handle those conditions. Well, exactly, you know, it's, uh, and that's, it's a huge, it's a massive learning curve. And, of course, um, having the uh, same type of boats racing around the world uh, single-handed in the Vendée, um is, you know, you can take a lot of lessons um, from that. But obviously, you know, once you put um, five Volvo Ocean Racers or five um, offshore sailors onto a boat, um, you know that the boat's going to be pushed hard. You know, so so yes. we, we need to also learn the limits of the boat because these boats will have their limits. You know, the 65s were, mm. were basically indestructible. And, you know, some teams were still able to destroy them in, in certain, some way or another. And, you know, with, with the Mokas, I think you, as a team, you, you know, you're always going to try and be pushing the limits and sail the, the boat as fast as you can. But there's also going to be moments where you're just going to have to throttle back a little bit and uh yep. and you know keep the boat in one piece more so even than than much more than what we did with the 65s in the southern ocean for example so you know it's it's mm. going to be uh, a huge learning curve and it's you know whether you can just uh stay at the limit 
and not go over the limit um, um, before mm. before you break something. So, yeah, it's going to be finding that balance, which obviously comes with, you know, having done the time on the boat as well. And, and I guess, yeah, that, that's, that's something that's, yeah, you know, you mm. start running out of time preparation time because these boats got to be built or they if you use the fun day boats they've got to be adapted so um but yeah if you get a good team together and you get the opportunity to uh to the the right amount of training um it's going to be absolutely amazing it will be terrific to watch actually hope we get some good footage others going around and taking on the challenging weather that the ocean can throw up from time to time now as you said, challenges, wild oats. You met Jesse Jackson on the Volvo Team SCA. How did you end up on Wild Oats 10 for the Sydney to Hobart? Well, this is all uh, thanks to uh, to, to Stacy, really, Stacy Jackson. Um, mm. Yeah, we were um, teammates uh, in the SCA campaign and um, I remember um, Stacy and Stacy was with uh, Vestas uh, in the last yep. edition so we uh, were not sailing together but we were uh, sailing against each other racing against each other um, and uh, I know Stacy just had this vision Stacy had this idea and she was already playing with this idea during the Volvo Ocean Race because I remember we had a chat about it I think it was in Hong Kong or one of the stopovers halfway through the race um, um, or we just passed halfway um, we we spoke about this and, and Stacey told me about her ideas and her plans. And um, yeah, after the race, um, she she pursued this and uh, she did an incredible job um, getting the funding together through 11th Hour Racing and having um, a good relationship with the uh, with the Oatley family managed to secure Wild Oats 10 um, as a as a racing boat for 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 the team. And then, uh, yeah, she she uh, she had to get the team together, and yeah, so she she rang me. She knew I was uh, was in Sydney, and um, yeah, that was Great. obviously you know also uh, a huge opportunity uh, for myself and for a lot of the girls um, in Australia, New Zealand, and and around the world to um, to race in um, as a women's team. In the uh, in the professional women's team, because that's probably I was just going to say first professional women's team in the Rolex Sydney. Exactly, and yeah. Um, yeah, I think Stacey did um, an incredible job at you know um, getting a really really good boat um, and uh, securing the funding and getting a, a group of girls together. We didn't have a lot of time. You obviously, you always wish you had more time to prepare, but you know, we made the most out mm. of the, the time that, that we had. And uh, yeah, it was an amazing uh, bunch of girls. And I, I guess the, the weather, um, the weather conditions uh, helped us in, in that particular race for the, the particular boat we were on. Uh, very, very good conditions for, for, for Wild Oats 10. So, um, yeah, it all, it all came together and, uh, and an amazing result. So, yeah, uh, really uh, hats off to, to Stacey because it was her vision from the start and, um, 
and it was extremely hard work to make it all happen but um yeah very rewarding at the end and it was a close finish Boy, we were holding our breath. We were watching and we had all our fingers crossed for you, for the team. Um, but it was an absolutely incredible result Yeah, for it, you. it was, you know. And at the, yeah, I guess you, you cross the finish line and, you know, the 30 minutes and, and we missed them and, 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 and alive. So, so the boat we were, you know, racing against basically um, towards the finish line. Uh, we knew we had to uh, to beat them, and they they passed us as as uh, as we're entering um, Storm Bay. So so it yes, it it was a little bit disappointing, but um, we had such a good time on the boat, and we had such a good time in the lead up to to the event. I don't think yeah we'd we'd ever imagined that we were going to finish second overall so i i think altogether it was just a really um uh, good campaign and a really fun campaign to be part of and i think yeah second place um it's uh was was a really really good result and yeah we should really be we are very happy with it and very proud of it and yeah yep. stacy should be very proud of um, what she put together and she achieved. And would you do another? Oh, of course, Hobart? no doubt. You know, I, I do live in Sydney now. Okay. <laughs> I, I would. Uh, yeah. I would uh, love to to do another Hobart. Um, I am the type of person, you know, I just I don't want to do the Hobart just for the sake of doing the Hobart. You know, for me, it's all about um, the lead up, the preparation to to the race. You know, so. I don't want to just jump on a boat and 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 sail sail to Hobart. I I want to you know be part of the preparation and and be part of the team that you can actually you know you're doing this together as a group that you grow as a team that you you gel together as a team because you know you can say you know it's only really a day and a half for um, that you spend together on the boat, but um you, it has to be worthwhile and uh and so yeah i the, the teamwork aspect is something that i've really learned um with the mm-hmm. offshore sailing and the two uh well three volvo ocean races i've done so um and that's something that's yeah i i think is a very important aspect of the whole the whole thing and uh and i've definitely over the years uh, become and I see myself as a team player and that's what also gives me uh, the the greatest joy and the biggest reward as well is that the fact that you're you're pulling mm. this off or, or doing this um, with a, a great bunch of people. Well hopefully we'll see you at the CYCA um, to do the Blue Water series that might be um, as we don't know what the future holds in regards to opening up borders and especially flights overseas this might be a great opportunity for us to see you yeah I'd, uh, that'd be great because yeah as you say you know i okay. am sort of um stuck in australia um i i'm not i'm not allowed <laughs> out of the country um so um i'd love to uh, to do uh, to do some sailing uh, around sydney harbour and uh, around the australian coast a bit more than i've done so far so maybe this is the perfect time 
Well, I think I'm pretty confident in saying you'd be more <laughs> than you. welcome um, there. So, look, just very quickly, we are running out of out of time, and I can talk. I, I could talk <laughs> to you forever. I, I'm so so enjoying our conversation. Just a little bit about the America's Cup and um, where the Dutch team is up to at the moment. Well, uh, it's there is no Dutch team. <laughs> To, to keep it short, but um, okay. it you know the there was the after the Volvo Ocean race um, uh, together with uh, Simeon Timpont, who was the Dutch skipper of Axel Nobel um, in the Volvo Ocean race. Um, he he decided, and he was rightly to to think so, that it was probably the best time for Holland as a country to have a go at. Uh, taking part in the America's Cup. Um, you know, the, the finish of the Volvo Ocean Race was in The Hague um, in Holland, and it was huge, you know. There have never been so many people together for a sailing event. It was absolutely the mm. biggest thing I've ever seen. And um, that uh, the city of The Hague had done a very good job and was very supportive about it. So that's already a huge step in the right direction, you know, if you've got the backing from, from the government. And uh, so that was, that was step one. Uh, secondly, Holland um, has a very big um, heritage um, in, in sailing, but also the Olympic team is the top, um, top nation in Olympic sailing in the, well, and, and now I think still, but because they haven't had another uh, Olympic classes world championship, but it's the top performing nation. Mm -hmm. So we have very, very um, talented sailors across all different disciplines. Um, so uh, sailing is, you could, yeah, you could, I guess say sailing is hot in Holland at the moment. So you have to sort of, use okay. that opportunity and it was a, a great moment uh to um to try and get you know the funding and uh, a team together and so yes uh, Simeon sort of um led this and um and I yes it was a very ambitious plan you know in the 800 uh, 168 years uh, history of the America's Cup the Dutch had never been part of the cup so it's uh it's obviously uh, something huge but yeah it was definitely a good timing in the right moment and um i think we came a lot closer uh to actually going ahead with it all than we ever imagined we would um and it was only uh yeah a potential um main sponsor that uh pulled out uh last minute that actually, um, you know, we then decided uh, that it wouldn't be viable to continue. We could have possibly still continued, but mm. then we might have had to pull the pin halfway through our preparation, and that would have been even more disappointing for everyone involved. So, mm. um, yeah, it, it was, it's very unfortunate, but hopefully it's now created enough momentum for the next um, America's Cup to for Holland to to have a go at it because I I definitely think Rina it's a 
it's a small nation it's a small country but sailing is uh, it has a very very big sailing heritage and strong sailing heritage and uh, and we are mm-hmm. performing very well so you know the, there's a lot of good things and a lot of good ingredients and uh, yeah as long as we can keep the momentum going um, I think uh, one day it will be possible. Oh, I think we'll see you there at the start line in, a, in, you know, maybe the next one. So there is so much more we could cover. But what I'd like to do is sort of in wrapping up, what do you like to do outside of racing, yacht racing or sailing? I think what I enjoy the most at the moment is um, just spending time with, with my family. Um, you know, I have a I have a nine-year-old son, Kyle, and... Um, well, he's, mm-hmm. he's, he's been around the world twice as well. He's followed me around with Team SCA and he's followed me around the world with, uh, with Dong Feng. But um, there's also a lot of um, phases, I guess, in his growing up that I have uh, missed. You know, just um, him coming out of nappies. You know, I wasn't, I, it wasn't me that, that yeah. did that. It was, it was uh, one of my... Um, um, one of the the nannies that we had and and you know they they were fantastic they probably did a much better job than I did but it's just you know I wasn't there when he lost his first tooth and these you know they people might think these are very small things but you know I only have one child and and uh, and it's part of part of his growing up you know and there's sort of so there's sort of little gaps yeah. that I've missed and and what I've really been enjoying, um, and especially now, also in the sort of uh, the the, well, the the COVID times, um, in 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 lockdown, uh, is is that the time that we get to spend together and uh, and just doing the the day to day things, which um, I I haven't done that much because you know our life hasn't been that normal um, since uh, with with all the. Uh, racing and and around the world racing and being away so yeah just just Mm. simple things in life you know that um that you take for granted um I I am really really enjoying right now and just yeah having uh that time to to reflect on it and to um enjoy it and um yeah just you don't need much to actually I've 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 realized I don't need that much to, yeah, just, just be happy, be happy and to be able to enjoy yeah. it. And, you know, we, uh, we're, I'm always going to be the adventurous type and I'm always going to be the outdoorsy type. So, um, but yeah, I consider myself very, very lucky that, you know, I live in, I live where I live uh, with my family and, and Australia is, uh, is a great country to, uh, to live in and there's so much yet to explore here as well there's so many parts of the country um that i haven't seen that i haven't been to and uh, yeah i really look forward to doing that oh carolyn that's absolutely amazing and as i said look there again there's so much more we could cover and i hope to chat with you probably down the track sometime for uh, another podcast to share but look thank you so much any words of wisdom before we wrap up that you would like to share with our listeners well i would say i uh, learned myself from one of the greats and that is uh, magnus olsen who was our 
ambassador for the Team SEA campaign, um, who unfortunately passed away during um, one of uh, our training camps in uh, in Lanzarote. But um, he's a, a legend in ocean racing, but it's not so much for what he's accomplished in ocean racing, but it's more the type of person he is. And he always had a, a never give up attitude and he always had a great sense of humor. He was very, very competitive. So it wasn't that, you know, he was, he was always smiling. He, he also had his, you know, his moments yeah. where, where he wasn't that happy or he was disappointed um, with something that hadn't gone well, but he always kept, uh, had a smile on his, on his face at the end of the day, you know, and he was able to this, uh, his, his yeah. pod- positive attitude and this pod- positive energy that he had, he was um, so good at rubbing it off onto everyone else. And um, yeah, I think that's something that I've really learned from him that, um, you know, uh, we, we are, uh, can be so competitive and we can be so focused on achieving that one thing. But if you, don't do it, uh, don't enjoy while you're doing it and have fun doing it, sharing it with the people around you, then, um, then, you know, it's going to be very hard to enjoy that journey. And I think, yeah, that's something that I've learned from him and I, uh, I, uh, um, apply it to all the different phases in my life and, and the different parts of, of my life that I go through. So, yeah, that's something that I've, I'm also trying to pass on to, to my son that, you know, no matter what, um, at the end of the day, you have to go to bed with a smile on your face. Lovely. Carolyn, thank you so much for sharing everything with us. And thank you I very much for having me, Deborah. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks, Carolyn. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening today. And if you would like to find out more, please visit our Facebook page, Sailing Women's Network Australia. You can also contact us via our website, sailingwomensnetwork.com.au. Have a great day.